this project gets a certain budget, it gets an approval, it has a delivery date, and then the budget is, is, is ended, the project is finished, and the app is out there. But then, more or less, the real work starts. Welcome to Life Science Marketing Radio, the podcast where marketing leaders inside and outside the sciences share their creative ideas and practical approaches to increasing your marketing ROI. Here's your host, Chris Connor. Hello, and thanks for joining me today. If you're thinking about or already in the process of developing a mobile application for life science marketing or sales, this is a podcast you'll want to listen to. Johannes Amen of Carl Zeiss Microscopy was kind enough to share with me his complete experience of developing their very first mobile application and what made it successful. So you'll notice this conversation starts rather abruptly because I changed my process on this one. I usually talk to my guests ahead of time to lay out our conversation and make sure we're focused as much as we can be on a, on a single topic. On this one, I hit record on our planning call because those calls are often as interesting as the final podcast. So you're going to hear us land on a topic and away we go without any introduction. I hope you'll enjoy it. So as soon as you said app thing, I'm thinking, let's talk about that today, but we can save that one. Mm, I would I would actually be also really, really inclined to, to talk about apps particularly because I'm a... Uh, uh, this is actually the first thing that I did when I came to this company, to size microscopy, uh, in, back in 2011. Uh, Jochen, my boss back then, was like, uh, yeah, well, okay, you still have some capacity and uh, uh, why not do an app? And I was like, well, okay, I more or less just came from university. Um, I'm a biologist by, by training microbiologist and uh, I was uh, working for for um, around one year in a pharmaceutical um, startup company which did uh, market research but that got a bit boring soon so I took the opportunity to go to size and then they came up in my first year with yeah well why don't you do an app so I yeah, I searched for an agency here in Munich uh, where we still work with them they are really quite amazing and back then we did a fluorescence microscopy app. Uh, it's uh, still available for iPhone and uh, iPod and iPad. It's called Light Lab, and uh, this was our first app that we, we as size, uh, particularly we as size as a whole, did. Not only the size microscopy. And uh, since then we had some other app projects, which uh, of course also were um, end user focused and. Uh, uh, all of those also involved uh, imaging with the microscope. Uh, we can remotely control the confocals nowadays. Uh, we can uh, we can access the imaging data from a server from virtually anywhere. And uh, we have. I really need to, to to send you the link where there's the overview of of all of those apps. Um, and we have a. Uh, a uh, kind of a two-parter of an app. It's LabScope and MatScope, and with those you can do a digital classroom. Nice. So should we just continue talking about these apps? Is that a reasonable topic? Do you want to tell me a little bit more about the Light Lab and what its intent was? So is it um, is it something that only a customer would use or is it something that you would use as a marketing tool? 
Um, actually, we try to do both when we can and if it makes sense also. Um, so for the light lab, we actually went in that direction, we went uh, full frontal. So we really um, looked at, okay, what are the, what are the possibilities? Um, which uh, social media channels, which, uh, which uh, communications channels from our side are we able to integrate into this app? Because um, uh, for one thing, we did not want to have uh, kind of, you know, it, it's free. Of course, it is a free app. And uh, we did not want to have some kind of annoying advertisement in there. Like, I don't know, for when you have web pages with banners and with pop-ups and, and stuff like that. And so we really try to keep it a bit down. Um, you can very easily access the main functionality of the app, which really is, okay, you uh, set up your experiment for fluorescence microscopy, either for wide field or for confocal. You can... Uh, um, uh, you have a complete selection in there with the database for, for various uh, fluorochromes. Uh, you have a uh, database in there for our uh, available filter sets for excitation and emission in the microscope. Um, you have all the laser lines available in there for our confocals. And of course, uh, this is also a compromise where I fought kind of hard with our product management. Uh, you can also define your own settings. For example, if you do not have the the honor sitting in front of a size microscope but maybe uh, you know another system and back then i was like hey guys i don't have a problem with that you know it's why limit it uh, yes is, we, were, we were the only ones who had this back then and uh, i was like well okay uh, if if some other user wants to 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 plan his experiments or check his settings uh, with our app uh, then yeah sure he should be able to um, so it was, yeah, we had a bit of, uh, uh, like, um, these were options for, for comfort or you would say for, for, um, I don't know, so that you could, you could directly choose, of course, uh, those are the size emission filter number, this and that, or, um, uh, of course, obviously, all of our laser lines for the confocals, and uh, and uh, then you have the chance to to edit everything uh, uh, that is uh, mostly fitting to the system that you are actually sitting in front of. Because, uh, yeah, let's be honest here, we love every microscopist out there. So uh, everybody also should have been able to to just use this app, and we still um, we still do uh, some some more or less regular updates to it. Um, and then on the other hand, of course, we, we saw, okay, um, we need a direct, um, a, uh, a direct, uh, option for, for contact. So we included this, there's a direct, um, you can, you can type in a text, uh, with your contact data and send it, um, directly to our service and support if you have some questions or need some some details or have inquiries with us there is our uh, facebook channel integrated if you are into that stuff you can go into the app and and see what we are doing on facebook um, obviously also our twitter channel we have some plans for the future to also maybe integrate uh, the the Flickr channel um, but uh, we will see uh, also with the new iOS versions that are um, constantly coming out from Apple uh, where we are going with, with the app for the future. So let me let me stop right there for a second because I have a mm -hmm. lot of questions. You've said a lot of great things. So 
Uh, first of all, I love how you say the honor of sitting in front of a Zeiss and we love all my CrossFitists. And that's true. Not, you know, those people might not be sitting in front of a, um, a competitor's uh, microscope tomorrow. They, those people move around. So and they might have an influence in the next purchase. So that's just the right mentality, I think. Exactly. Exactly. This is like uh, uh, in the very beginning when we when we first thought about this app, there was obviously from our product management coming a lot of ideas about, yeah, we can have pre-configured systems configuration in there and then they have just to press their system configuration. And then I was like, well, okay, if you don't have that exact system configuration or if you don't have a... Maybe it really helped that I was quite new to this company. Let me also put it like that. Well, you don't have the um, curse of knowledge then. That's that's, yeah, you know that's the yeah. advantage is to yeah. not be. You know, the, the, my field of view back then was also a bit a bit larger, probably. Yeah, but, but I I still I still really try to to keep it that open. I have to tell you. And um, then I want to ask about the app itself. So uh, mm -hmm. you're talking about all these configurations. So the app is helping you um, set up an experiment. Um, I you can tell me whether it interacts directly with the microscope or not, or is it saying to use these fluorochromes, we recommend this filter set and just making sure that all the things that you're going to set up are going to work together. Is it something like that? Mm, the second one, um, we definitely, we definitely see in the future a possibility to um, directly connect the app with the system. Um, for this, we just need to to um, have a bit more prerequisites in the in the systems in the instruments itself. So we have stuff that is called ACR, uh, automatic component recognition. So the instrument and of course, obviously, the uh, attached workstation with our full window software uh, knows automatically which uh, filter sets and and which uh, parts uh, are installed. So the system itself more or less already knows its configuration, but back then uh, we did not have any uh, yeah, um, proper way or let's say protocol to particularly wirelessly um, connect and also read out this configuration. So this is definitely something that is on the list for the future. And I'm not saying uh, too much here because this is also the trend uh, where it where it goes that you have a, a better um, mobile and also wireless connection with uh, people uh, have a multitude of gadgets nowadays. They have their their iPhone and their Google smartphones. They have all kinds of tablets, and uh, this is what they use in their in their um, private uh, in their private lives at home. And so they also want to use it at some point in their in their not even the the normal job but also of course the academics research and uh, uh, this is something which is definitely planned but uh, currently uh, you have to enter the uh, the uh, configuration of your microscope by yourself manually but of course it gets stored inside of the app so you can also not one but two three four five microscope different microscope configurations you can save inside of the app and then you can see okay I have my I don't know CHO cells from the cell culture with uh, those and those uh, fluorophores and uh, then they can check well okay for example which system best fits uh, the needs the imaging needs or um, how to configure the system best and they don't need to sit in front of the system for that right so and I don't want to go too far into the to the functionality now that I understand what it is I think let's talk a little bit about 
you know, now it is clearly a marketing tool. It is helpful for Zeiss users and other people to set up their experiments. So it's a way to get your brand in front of people, um, even pre-purchase, right? Exactly. And so, um, I guess my next question would be, did you, did you work with the outside developers to, or did you develop it internally? I guess we want to talk about how you get something like that made. Mm. So for, for LightLab, uh, it was an external agency. It was a Next, they are called Next, Next mm -hmm. Munich. Uh, also directly here, it's like from our um, from our site in, in Munich where we have our offices. Um, it's like uh, maybe five kilometers. Okay. So it was also a very... Um, a very direct collaboration to to put it like that and for so. people who are thinking about developing an app i don't know i mean i think a lot of companies have apps i think we did a survey on the acpls maybe half the companies are using them some people don't see a need for it although i think there there are many more needs than um, you can imagine but it, it was it difficult uh, does this agency have some experience in this area at all, or um, is that not even a, a question? You, you find a good app developer and describe what you're trying to make, and they're able to make it. Mm. Again, it's the it's uh, the second option. Okay. So it really does not matter if they have uh, uh, experience in in life sciences tools or if they are, I don't know, maybe even biologists or microscopists themselves. So uh, this is usually absolutely not uh, not the priority when you are when you are searching for for developers here. Um, the only thing <clears throat> where we um, where we really um, uh, had the focus on was that we did not want to work with freelancers or with even a team of freelancers because uh, it could get difficult to to get those projects really done in the end because uh, yeah you can imagine a freelancer then yeah. uh, gets a job at another company or he gets <laughs> sick or or he he doesn't like you anymore and and wants to work for another uh, company or another contractor so uh, this was definitely we wanted to uh, we really wanted to to talk with those guys and see okay do you have experience in in uh, mobile app development um do they understand what what we are trying to accomplish and with those guys um if i remember back then in 2011 we talked about uh, they as early as that they worked at some point for disney doing those um oh god uh, back in the old nokia days you had some kind of of it, it was called wap or something a very very early um very very early uh, way of of doing some kind of of app technology so they had their experience they had uh, were a startup uh, are still still more or less a quite flexible startup and uh, we we had our early meetings we talked with them and we tried to explain to them what this thing is supposed to do and um we actually invited them over um, we did some uh, demos at our systems here in the microscopy labs in Munich. Uh, they had huge fun because most of them never sat in front of a high-end research microscope, of course. So that was also a very nice um, um, experience. I haven't done for, that either. So part. You should. You yeah, should. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm going to book a ticket to Munich right after this. We call. have 
uh, either Munich or we have also wonderful labs in New York. So uh, either way, we should make this happen somehow. Yeah. And so this was the part. We then said together with, with some attached product managers, um, we had some sure fixes uh, afterwards, and they we, we just made sure that they understood what we wanted and that we had um, persons on our side that were very deeply into those system configurations, that were very deeply into fluorescence microscopy, and they just explained it to these external guys, to the developers. And they, uh, which was also so a bit surprising for me, they very quickly understood what we wanted and they just did it. So this was uh, also a great experience on that part. Right, and that's exactly what I was looking for. Was it hard to explain and translate what you're trying to come up with to the developers? Um, but Not it, really. It's great, fact, and no. um, I'm assuming you have some beautiful interface that these guys are really good at, especially if they're working for Disney. So let's talk about the social media aspect. So you've integrated this app with Facebook and Twitter, which I think is brilliant for, um, and so if someone, how does that work? So, so they're inside the app, they can go look at your Facebook feed, I guess, but yes, can, how can they contribute in a way that lets their colleagues see what's going on? Can they share? Um, so we integrated the, uh, Facebook and Twitter feeds from our global uh, channels that we have. You can scroll through them. You can uh, uh, click on the on the postings, the articles that we have there. Um, and then we just use the uh, the uh, options that are available via iOS. So you have uh, uh, all the available, um, all the usually available options of uh, uh, integrating with your own Twitter channel, retweet stuff from from inside of the app. Um, you can uh, open the uh, Facebook postings from the feed and also share them or like them uh, with your uh, Facebook network via the installed Facebook app. So uh, this is really just the stuff that that uh, iOS very very easily uh, gives to to all the developers so you have those those interfaces and you just use them and integrate them into the app nice so that was actually really the the easiest part i have to tell you that was really the easiest part but i think it's a hugely valuable part in fact um you're the first i think so i interviewed about 10 companies talking about how they're using these smartphone apps or iPad apps. Um, and I think you are the very first one that has mentioned um, sharing something from your social media from within the app, which I think is, you know, of course, you've got this thing that people are using and they're liking it and they're engaging with it. And I, I, I do think to a degree, I, I want to say I, Maybe you have a different opinion, but microscopy lends itself to sharing in a way that a lot of other biological uh, research might not. Do you, do you agree um, or not? I'm in just curious. A, absolutely, in a in in a respect um, that uh, I I always. Uh, uh, like to to also tell this to my colleagues that um, uh, in the end, uh, microscopy marketing maybe is the easiest marketing in the <laughs> world because no, because it's all about nice images. Right. It's all about nice and wonderful images. It's the colorful 
beautiful images from the confocals, from the super resolution microscopes. Uh, it's the um, it's the uh, high resolution uh, stuff from the electron microscopes. Um, everybody loves watching that stuff, and so it's also like you know, uh, with our company claim, make it visible. Uh, it, it really fits and and we also see this with uh, interactions with uh, researchers and users on our twitter channel now now apart from the app also um or with our our uh, Flickr channel um people love also sharing the images that they make um uh, we love of course sharing our marketing imaging our official imaging with the world so uh, it's it's more or less really ideal so uh, uh, to to make the the conclusion of of this um kind of metaphor um i would really really need to think hard when i would be working in in the marketing of a company that does for example pcr light cyclers or something <laughs> i would really really need to be extremely creative for that yeah, so in that respect yeah we we are really lucky guys with our great and wonderful imaging well i watched your video um on the plankton this morning on your blog which was fantastic and getting oh yeah this uh, is but this is all 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 credit there goes to to richard kirby he's a wonderful guy and uh, we we work together with him now since i think maybe at least 10 years um he is one of the biggest uh, size friends and advocates out there and uh, we are so glad to have that guy and and he is also in the uh, oceanic, in the in the marine biology, in the community, he's so well established. It's just really, really great just working together with him. Well, it really, uh, I mean, it illustrated a, a fantastic story about how plankton are, you know, such a central part of every, not just oxygen production, but just about anything you can imagine on this earth yep. has a tie to plankton. So that was a fantastic story illustrated with beautiful images and having David Attenborough narrate it was a, a coup. Um, but let's go back to, to, to social media. So um, because I said you are the only one so far I've mentioned that um, or that I've interviewed that have integrated social sharing into their app, which I think if you're going to making an app and get people that engaged into your ecosystem, if you will, um, I, I think it's just a brilliant idea to make sharing part of it so that, um, and I, I do actually, I do know one other app. So I, I interviewed this company formerly called Zappy Labs. Now I think they're called protocols.io and what they have, I'll just, I, I don't want to derail this conversation, but they have an app, um, that helps people track their protocols in the lab. And there's some question of whether people actually want to use their smartphone in the lab for reasons of solvents and whatever. Um, but they can share when they modify a well-known protocol, they can store it, you know, locally, and then they can also share it and say, Hey, this works better for me than the original and so on. And the other interesting thing about it was, and this is sort of my next question to you is, do you collect data back from people's usage of the app? Because that's the purpose of this whole protocols.io thing. Well, it's not the purpose, but it is a benefit that companies can see how their protocols are being modified. So for product development, they can see what people are using and also trends for the types of experiments people are developing. So do you, ha do you have any thought about um, getting data back out of the app that you guys can look at for product development, for example. 
we actually actually looked into this because uh, believe it or not but i was in contact with uh, those guys from protocols io uh, okay <laughs> <coughs> sorry <clears throat> um uh, we got in contact because they were, of course, also interested in what you already said. You know, you not only have um, <clears throat> those lab protocols for your uh, uh, colony PCR, for your um, for your plasmid cloning uh, and whatnot. Um, you also, of course, have those uh, protocols for sample preparation for uh, electron microscopy, for, for fluorescence microscopy. Um, but uh, since then, it was now, I think, one or two years ago, uh, we did not look into it further because the thing is, um, from a uh, protocol standpoint, from, from a sample preparation, particularly for a microscope, um, this is very, very much not only the like it's it's extremely dependent on the one cell line that a given uh, institute or research facility has in its uh, under its hood. Right. So it's you so know, highly it's, it's variable very, that there is no exactly. standard. Okay. Exactly. You could you could think about some very very basic protocols, but then again, uh, when when looking not only at light microscopy but particularly at electron microscopy, you have for a various um, for various imaging tasks uh, regarding which biological material is it, what do you want to do with it, do you want to um, use the uh, microtome uh, to do 3D imaging, do you want to use the ion cannon to to do 3D imaging, the FIPSEM. Um, at the end, uh, we have, of course, we have a lot of uh, a lot of knowledge about those different kinds of sample preparation inside of our company and with the imaging specialists in our labs, which uh, also very, very uh, gladly help um, users and new customers establishing new methods. But at the end of the day, it's really so much dependent on the the model organism, on the um, uh, special tissue that that uh, the researchers want to use. So we did not see too much sense in that for the time being. We offer some very very general sample preparation protocols, for example, for super resolution, but. Even there, we offer them as PDF, as white papers, to to virtually anybody who is interested. Uh, but even in there, we can only give very very general uh, hints about particularly what to do with the hardware, which um, which uh, slides best to use, with which cover glasses best to use, and uh, what's the ideal sample preparation. But we know that for the ideal imaging, everybody has to adopt his own protocol. Okay. So that was not the 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 real focus about this. Right. So my I think this is maybe my last question. You if I've left anything out about discussing this app in particular, we could go on and on, I'm sure, but we should. Um, yeah, we should. We should do another one. Um I think we will. And mm -hmm. um I'm definitely gonna do a, a podcast with uh I hope with Lenny from um from protocols.io. But um what what do you do? What have you done to promote this app? So how do you integrate it with the rest of your content marketing? I guess to make to make it popular. Besides the sharing aspect of it, how much effort did you have to put into um, 
publicizing the availability of the app? Do you do it through your sales team? Is there other content on your website? How does it work? Um, to be honest, uh, we did not do too much actually. So we featured it in, uh, back then in some newsletters, maybe two or three newsletters, of course. So the mail blast that you send out to, to uh, all the people that are interested in microscopy and that are your customers anyways. Um, we, of course, also used uh, then again the, the social media channels, the Facebook and the, the Twitter channel to to raise awareness about the app that we have it. Um, it what we saw over the last three, four or three or four years uh, when looking at the, um, the iTunes statistics, and I have to admit, yes, it's only available for iOS at the moment. Uh, we uh, we have uh, other plans uh, with um, with future app development, so not supporting too much platforms natively, but uh, really trying to go platform independent. Um, it was we saw very organic growth actually, and this was really interesting because we did not push it out too hard. It was really like, well, okay, it's now our first shot at an app whatsoever. We did not do this before we don't have too much experience with it and we were like you know it was it was i mean the name is light lab but it also was a kind of a, a lab experiment for us actually really we <laughs> you know it was really well, we, we thought hard about it we thought yeah, hard yeah. about the options we tried to to make it as good as we could and then we just we just sent it out to the world and saw saw how it would live and grow, you know. And and there was so it was so nice to see there was a really organic growth. Uh, there was the first feedback, direct feedback from customers to our sales guys, uh, where they said, "Hey, uh, this thing is really nice. Uh, uh, thank you for for um, doing this and for having it freely available." Um, uh, then also the first uh, direct feedback came. Also, what you uh, previously asked about: uh, could you directly interact or connect uh, the 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 app on the mobile device with the microscope? And uh, yeah, so so it it really grew and grew and grew. And uh, now we are at numbers where we are really satisfied with uh, yeah how this this first child of ours developed. So we are really happy there, and we have we have also some more apps now um again when you when you said uh, when i when i when we touched this uh, sharing and the imaging part uh, this is something that we really uh, promoted uh, and we really focused on with uh, for example the uh, labscope and the matscope app so you can this is where you directly connect with the with the small microscope with a wireless camera built into there and uh, this is also where you directly snap an image from the sample that you have under your microscope and you directly can use any sharing option that is available on the on the device so you can share it via email you can share it via your twitter account you can share it via facebook nice. uh, this is everything there is integrated that's and this is also a feature that we know and that we see is is also uh, highly appreciated. So so this just works out all the time. Well, that's that's fantastic. I love the story about the growth. Now that turns out that was not my last question because um, you made me think of something else that I've been curious about and I have seen when I'm looking through apps on the store is what uh, and because you mentioned um, native apps and. 
I'm curious about the level of support needed for an app. So at some point, an app may lose its usefulness or the usefulness isn't everything it could be. So has have you had to put a lot of effort into maintaining the app? Otherwise, add, I mean, adding features or updating it or, or anything else? It, because sometimes a company might make an app and put it out there. And then pretty soon no one's using it anymore because it just hasn't kept up. And now you've got a thing sitting there that doesn't look good for your brand if it's not doing its job, right? Exactly. This is exactly the point. Um, let's be honest here for a minute. Um, in a company, an app is a project. Yes. And this project gets a certain budget. <laughs> it gets an approval. It has a delivery date. And then the budget is, is, is ended, the project is finished, and the app is out there. But then, more or less, the real work starts. Um, Apple is now in the, in the situation that they are pushing out a new major version of their operating system, iOS, every year. Um, new devices, uh, new uh, flavors of the iPad with uh, various screen sizes, with screen resolutions, uh, also for the iPhone and the other stuff, uh, comes out maybe twice a year. Uh, so in theory, for every update, hardware and software that Apple is pushing out, um, you would need to check your app okay is it still compatible uh, does it really show nicely still on the on the screen of the new devices uh, there may be new um, ios features that you would really where you would really benefit and that you would really like to use and the main part is and we, we also know that from our private lives because everybody has has an so world and dog has an iphone or any kind of smartphone today um you like it when you see oh there is another update for this app this is great i have to put to to install the update you know a bit of a tamagotchi effect also yeah. there's a notification oh oh i get a new update maybe it has new features if the app lies silent for months and for years exactly as you said you tend to forget it that you have it um, it looks maybe not as it's supposed to look on new devices it crashes when there are um, major new operating system versions out there so yes uh, you have to take this definitely into account right this is you, you need a constant uh, a constant uh, validation of the app. You need to constantly think about well, okay, can we can we improve this feature or what was the feedback, which is also extremely valuable, um, not only from from users but also from your own sales force. So uh, this is this is definitely a problem that we also run into from time to time. You know, it's like. A, a, yeah, light lab you have to test it on the on the new hardware you have to see okay do we have a problem here uh, a lot of that stuff is covered by our contract with the developers where, where, where i'm really glad about but uh, regarding new features regarding new graphics design uh, light lab now looks a bit outdated also so there is some kind of major revision on the horizon um, yeah, these are also the facts. If if you start developing an, an app in an app project and you see in the beginning that it's quite successful and people really like it, uh, this is actually the moment where you really need to start <laughs> planning, okay, we need to invest a bit more capacities, resources and money on it. Yes. I, I asked because it, it, um, I've seen that happen based on my research and then um, 
people might be inclined to think, oh, if we make an app, we put it out there, as you say, we're, we're done, but you're not done. It's like a newsletter. When you start a newsletter or any other content project, you have to, there's some feeding that's required to keep it going. And if you stop feeding it, then it doesn't, it doesn't communicate the kind of uh, commitment you want to have, for example. So in, in that respect, I'm also quite glad that we are also uh, very much nowadays a, a software imaging company. So we have our Zen software for the Windows PCs. And this, of course, needs also const constant updating, constant developing, hot fixing, service packs. So there is quite an understanding in this company, okay, if it is software, you have to constantly work on it. Right. But, but... But then uh, the understanding very much is on, okay, our main software, so the SEN software, which, which controls the microscopes, uh, this has a, a certain a constant budget and also uh, resources regarding development and whatnot. Uh, but this app stuff, you know, is, is like, well, okay, it's free, you know, and it's, <laughs> only, only, it's free and it's only for these gadgets, you know, and it's something a bit to play around. So oh, we, we really do need to invest money in this and oh, it's a constant fight yeah it's a constant fight for budget but uh, it's yeah it's <laughs> nowadays when i think back to 2011 and 2012 so nowadays there's really much much more uh, commitment also because we have we have more apps we have uh, not only this light lab but we have now a, a send browser which can uh, actually platform independently uh, access uh, imaging on a server uh, we have the send remote which uh, directly interacts with uh, with the confocal you can control your experiments you can control the hardware so uh, nowadays the apps really have a much higher um, let me say uh, value than they had some years ago well yeah and so that's it's all a fantastic story and i really appreciate you sharing that with me um i think we can wrap it up here let me um ask you one question i ask all my uh most of my podcast guests i haven't asked everybody this question but i'm curious what to know what you do in your free time when you're not working on apps and marketing communications <laughs> what do you do so for fun you're really sure that I have still left some free time? You're not the first person to say that, but if you had some free time, how would you spend it? Mm. For me, it's it's uh, actually actually I'm absolutely no sports person. So this is like uh, any form of uh, of training of uh, moving myself without any help of of some engines or motors uh, is like it doesn't absolutely work for me. Um, uh, free time is like okay. I try. I try to do a bit of of walking uh, to get my head cleared a bit. Um, I'm very much into into movies. So uh, this is like uh, some colleagues call me the walking IMDb database. <laughs> nice. um, yeah. yeah. Uh, then of course also TV series. So this is mostly the stuff that keeps me down a bit. And uh, yeah. Just uh, spending some time with the family, obviously, of course. Uh, this is also sometimes necessary. You cannot do much about it. Um, 
Yeah, so so no no real fancy hobbies around, no rafting, no bungee jumping. Uh, this is like you know, I get my my adrenaline rush every day <laughs> in in my company. So uh, uh, I I don't need that when I have uh, my free time left. Oh, that's great. I'm gonna um, you're yeah. gonna be my new source of movie reviews. Uh, yeah, we can we can actually maybe really try that. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for joining me. This was fantastic. Oh, thank you for having me. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Life Science Marketing Radio, brought to you by Words to Wow. Words to Wow helps life science companies simplify their content marketing to get more leads and sales with less effort. If that's something you are struggling with, send me an email at Chris at words the number two wow.com and as always a rating or review on itunes is much appreciated have a great week